0: This is Matt McMahon, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk.
1: Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty
2: skills. Driver driving they down the alley, and he scores.
1: <laughs> what a goal from
0: Josh Byrne.
2: Kayla Trainer fires to score. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Warren. Gets topside right.
0: Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network, your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson.
1: Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We are here with Matt McMahon, PLL All-Star, member of Archer's Lacrosse Club. Matt, thank you for joining us today. How's it going?
0: Good guys, uh, really excited about what's going on with the lacrosse playground. Excited to be on the on the podcast here, and uh, appreciate you guys for having me.
1: Absolutely, we appreciate you hopping on. Uh, we're gonna get into pretty much your entire career. You know, going into even your days with the Ohio Machine, um, now with the Archers and the PLL. Um, but we kind of want to start off where you you went to high school, um, Glen Ridge High School in New Jersey. Uh, when did you start playing lacrosse, uh, and and when did you kind of fall in love with the sport?
0: Yeah, that's kind of an interesting question. Uh, I, I started playing probably like fourth or fifth grade, but uh, I was always, you know, playing as many sports as I could throughout the throughout the, the year. So uh, I, I loved like football was my first love and, uh, and I think basketball was second probably put lacrosse down third but uh that was that was kind of the way it was throughout grade school like you know once the seasons changed I was just like picking up a, a new set of equipment and and um and, and doing what was it whatever was in season so I didn't really begin to to realize how much I loved lacrosse until later on in high school um I, I was just like of the mindset where I was like I wanted to play everything and uh and it wasn't until you know, like I started to, to enjoy the higher level aspect of lacrosse and, uh, just, to, especially from a defensive player, like as the game gets a little bit faster, it gets a little more challenging and a lot more fun. So I'd say I really didn't start like digging into lacrosse until probably like junior, senior year of high school. Uh, and then from there, that was kind of like my, my total focus, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I like to play everything. I didn't really, like, focus too much on lacrosse until later on in high school, really.
2: You clearly made an impact, though, even though it was later on in high school, right, since you you made your way to Penn to play for for Coach Murphy. So talk about your experience in Philly. What really drew you to Penn? Obviously, there's a lot of reasons why a Penn education would be a fantastic addition.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, first and foremost, it, it's uh, – Coming from North Jersey, like it's Penn is about an hour and a half from home, which was mm-hmm. a big selling point. Like, uh I've always had a really close relationship with my dad just through sports and uh and and he kind of had said along the way that location shouldn't impact your decision. But like I, I knew he wanted to be at every game and uh and just to to be able to hop in the car and drive down on a Saturday morning. And he I basically think he was at every single one of my college games, except for like maybe one out in Denver or something. But, uh, but that was really special. And and just being that close to home was, uh, it just made for a much more fun experience than, you know, going out to California or something, playing way, way, uh, way far from home would have been a different experience, but uh, I love Philly. I think it's a great city. Uh, I think that, I think that it's got like, it's got a lot of the attractions and buzz of like a, a, you know, some of the biggest cities in in the US, like New York City, but uh, I like the people there. I think everybody is really salt of the earth and uh, food is pretty good despite some mixed reviews, Um, but it it was a great place for me to be for four years and start to get acclimated to like, you know, big city life, but still kind of have a college campus. Um, So I I loved it. I loved my time there.
2: Yeah, I'm really biased. I'm from Delaware County uh, originally. So I, whenever I would take SEPTA from my parents' house, I'd hop off at University City. So very biased against Philly. I enjoyed everything you just said.
1: Yeah. Let's go into the pros a little bit though. After Penn, you were drafted in the MLL by the Ohio Machine in the fifth round. um, And you played on some great teams in Ohio, including the 2017 championship squad. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, you know, getting acclimated to the pro game. I know we kind of talked off pod too, how, you know, you were kind of seeing where it would take you. You didn't know if you wanted to do um, pro lacrosse for that long of a time. Um, But talk to me a little bit about getting drafted and, you know, finally making your way uh, with the Ohio machine in the MLL.
0: Yeah. So I was, I was kind of saying to Adam before, uh, before we started up here, like uh, I mean, coming out of college, I, I had kind of my sights set on, a more traditional career path, and and I think I had viewed my lacrosse career as as like maybe coming to a close. And 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 how I looked at the draft was like I was I think a seventh round draft pick, and uh, and and to me it was just you know going out and playing with the machine a little bit was going to add closure to my like athletic career. Where you know like I go out there, uh, I'd, I'd play with a bunch of guys that were out of my league. I'd figure it out uh, and, and, and get beat around a little bit and then be kind of confident that like, that was, that was the, that was the last stop in in my career for me. Uh, but I went out there and the experience was so different from what I was expecting that, that team, you know, you guys alluded to it a little bit, but that team out in Ohio was like, it was an extremely talented group, but it was, it was a great group of guys out there with, uh, you know, everybody from. Tom Schreiber and and Kyle Harrison, and Marcus Holman, just like the, the kind of guys that are not only excellent players on the field, but they're really great people and uh, excellent teammates in the locker room. And so uh, I went out there and, and kind of scrapped to get into the lineup, and uh, and and I was just blown away by the 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 like rewarding friendships that I was developing out there, and just the experiences that were going to continue to shape who I was, uh, the next couple of years. So I really went in thinking like, I'll go try out for the team and, you know, play a game or two and, uh, and hopefully just get to say I could play pro lacrosse. But, uh, as I started to get to know those guys and, uh, and started to figure out the game and figure out that I was definitely capable of, of hanging with those players, uh, it it started to become more of like a mission for me to, really stick with it uh, and, and kind of earn a place in pro lacrosse and, and stay around those locker rooms and continue to get to experience, uh, you know, the, the awesome parts about being in a locker room uh, with guys of that caliber. So uh, it was a bit of a mind shift, a mindset shift over, over the first 18 months that I was kind of in pro lacrosse. And then I knew it was a place that I really wanted to stay. And
1: I had to work to do that. Yeah, no, that's great. And talk to me a little bit of how fulfilling it was winning that 2017 championship, you know, under the bear Davis's squad uh, with all those guys, you mentioned Tom Schreiber, Kyle Harrison, you know, Marcus Holman, a bunch of guys, some of them are now your archers teammates. Uh, how awesome was it to win that championship?
0: Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I, I had never had a sports season end with a victory like that at the, you know, in the last game championship, mm-hmm. like that throughout college, we had some good teams at Penn, Uh, We won the Ivy league championship one year and then we got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, the very next game. And uh, that, that was probably like, you know, the best season as a team that I had been a part of high school, same kind of thing Uh, you know, won the state championship at our level and then went and played, you know, a a private school team and got our butts kicked. So, uh, so to, to end the season like that, where you, you have the kind of like, The closure of like yep you beat the best team there's no other teams to face uh that was like a a brand new experience for me and to be able to do it with all those guys that uh I had really become great friends with over the past three or four years uh was just like out of this world experience and something I'll never forget but uh but it was really cool especially the the year before was really tough uh Mm -hmm. we made it you know I, I think you can talk to any of those machine guys and They'd say that they felt like we should have won multiple championships out in Ohio. We just had like a really outstanding, outstandingly talented group there. Um, the 2016 championship game was a, about as weird of a sporting event as you could imagine. With crazy. Um, you know, jump out to a huge lead and then just like the hurricane storm rolls through Atlanta, stops the game for an hour, leaves puddles all over the field. Uh, it was just a weird experience and and left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And then to be able to come back in 2017 and win the championship with pretty much that same group, uh, was just like, you know, that was like vindication. It was just good to, good to be able to, uh, put a cap on that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a great group. I think anybody'd say they wish we had won one or two more of those, but, uh, but getting one was a great feeling.
2: Yeah, and then after uh, the 2017 season, you, you stuck around for, for one more year in the MLL and then made the jump uh, to the PLL. Talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we talked before about uh, kind of your reasoning for making that jump, but talk to us a little bit about really what excited you uh, to head over to the Premier Lacrosse League.
0: Yeah, I think I, for me, the the like one of the most important things and one of the things that excites me about the, the future of the PLL is that like I'm a huge believer in the sport of lacrosse, and that it is something that you know everybody, whoever picks up a stick, realizes how amazing of a sport it is, and just like it's a beautiful game. Uh, and, and so I think one of the the clear struggles that um, that Paul Rabel identified was that it's just tough to track the game on television. Like it's it's you know similar to hockey. Hockey had some struggles gaining some traction on a national stage because the cameras just couldn't quite keep up with the puck. And if you're watching on TV, it's just kind of a, a difficult game to follow. Um, and I think that we we were kind of experiencing that same sort of struggle in the MLL, uh, just not quite having the resources to be able to show the game in slow-mo and really like uh, just really hone in on the, the like insane level of talent that some of these guys have on the field. And so the PLL's approach has always been like, what if we put um, just the, the best cameras and, and, and videographers and uh, had 15 different camera angles and like, you know, however many frames per second to just catch every awesome play that's going on? Like, people would really appreciate that. Uh, and I think you've found that to be true the past two years. Uh, just the, the way the game is broadcast is just like lacrosse in a way that you've never really seen it before. So... Uh, it, it's super rewarding to be able to play in the games and know that like the way the games are being covered is, is kind of doing you justice.
1: No, that's great. Uh, as someone in television, that's actually uh, music to my ears too, because I think that sometimes, you know, gets overlooked. I mean, everyone knows how great the PLL's broadcast is, but how important that was for taking lacrosse to the next level, I think is, is sometimes maybe just, you know, not talked about enough. Um, I mean, your teammate, Marcus Holman had a sick, uh, wraparound goal in that opening game. And I think that's when yeah. people kind of realize like, all right, the PLL means business. Like this is a real sports broadcast, you know, it's not just like a college stream. Um, and you guys were here, here to play. And I think that that's what made the PLL so exciting for everybody when it was announced. Talk to me a little bit about the second season, you know, obviously a de- very different scenario being in the bubble. Um, but you know, talk to me a little bit. I, I know we talked a little bit, you were able to actually put on 30 pounds of muscle this off season. Um, cause you were able to devote the time to the training, and prepare for this season talk to me about being a full-time athlete now and and you know preparing for this shortened bubble tournament
0: yeah yeah I'll definitely start by saying I don't know if it was 30 pounds I think James <laughs> every time I talk to James Maselli, it's like that number goes up a little bit more but uh for me I was thinking you know what the only thing that that I really like have have coming up is this PLL season to really think about And you know it's not like you're gonna see too many friends or go travel the world or anything in the next couple months like this is this is number one on my priority list and uh and and I was able to get out of Manhattan for the first time in in five years and 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 set up shop training uh kind of outside the city which you know looking back I think was was a good decision but one I wish I had made uh earlier in my career but uh just to be able to get a new environment with a lot more space and access to like a real athletic facility to train in, uh, was just a huge step forward for me in my preparation. And, uh, and I was able to, uh, I was actually able to, to get in touch with, uh, or to connect with my cousin, who is a, uh, she's a women's lacrosse player at USC, but she works in their strength and conditioning department there. And she wrote me out like a whole, uh, workout regiment from, you know, 12 weeks out from the PLL uh, tournament all the way to like the last day before I was getting on a plane. So uh, I just felt like I had way more time to to think about what I wanted to do with my body and my preparation going into the season. Did I need to get faster? Did I need to get stronger? Um, you know, like, did I need to put on weight or lose weight? Like I, I was able to actually like think about all these things in depth and then craft an approach to attack it. So uh, that was, that was nice because now I think going forward, preparing for seasons, I have a lot more of a framework of what I need to do to be successful and, uh, kind of excited about that, but yeah, it was good.
1: Yeah, no, let's actually get to some of the lacrosse side of things too, when you were actually in the tournament, you know, you, this archers team has been, um, I, I'd say pretty much highly lauded for a, a little bit now. Uh, you know, 2019, you guys ran into a, a pretty red hot, uh, Redwoods team in the playoffs and lost that game. Um, This season, you know, upset by the chaos that kind of shocked everybody um, making it all the way to the championship. Um, You know, how motivated does that make you going into next season? And can you kind of talk about, you know, the team that you guys have built in these past two years and what excites you going forward? Um, Do you feel like you guys have underperformed a little bit and that, um, you know, you really think that you guys can be in this championship going forward?
0: I I think the story with us is, is really just consistency. Like when we Play our best. I think you saw like in the the first half of that Whip Snakes game this year. Like I think we had you know one or two goal lead going in halftime, or at least a lead throughout the first half. Uh, I think you can see that that our potential is there. Like we've got one of the more high powered offenses. Uh, we've got a duo of face off guys that can compete and and get hot. Uh, we got two two great goalies and and a defense that I think does a pretty good job. So. Uh, so I think, you know, the potential is there to be a championship team, but you look at the way the past two seasons have ended and it's just a little lapse in consistency in one game. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that's how the playoffs work is you don't get a second chance. And so, uh, so I think that we need to just figure out what it is that, that, that creates that inconsistency and, uh, and whether that's personnel or mindset or practice, uh, we're, we're all kind of dead set on trying to figure that out and make that change. But, uh, I I think that's kind of the mentality for the, the Archer squad is like, we definitely feel like we have the talent to, to compete and win a championship, but, uh, we got to figure out what we need to do to be consistent enough to, uh, perform at that championship level every game so that when the playoffs roll around, you know, there isn't an off day.
2: Oh, that makes complete sense, and you know, there's going to be another ball up in the air this year with with the uh, eighth team uh, added to the mix with Canons LC. Talk about uh, your thoughts on the merger and what that means for the sport going forward.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I, you know, I think pretty much everybody in the sport of lacrosse reacted to that news uh, like instinctively, with just a, a positive sigh of relief that it was like. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody who wants to see pro lacrosse succeed now gets to root for kind of one operation as opposed to having to decide, like, you know, should I throw my weight behind this league or that league? Like, mm-hmm. it just, it, it, uh, it clears up a lot of things from the onset, just in terms of getting getting all your resources going in the same direction and, and not, you know, fighting over the same fan base and uh, and getting all eyeballs on the same one. Uh, I think is a huge step forward for pro lacrosse and, and kind of a necessary one that I think everybody knew had to resolve itself at some point if if mm-hmm. the PLL was ever going to you know challenge the or or get to the the level that MLS NHL you know other major sports leagues were you couldn't continue operating with you know two leagues so uh, just from that perspective the future of the sport I think it was a huge move but. Uh, It's also exciting as a player to just know that, uh, you know, let's say you're the 2021 PLL champion, like you are the best field lacrosse team in the world. Mm -hmm, Uh, You know, it's, it's great to have all the best guys in one place and feel like you're really uh, you're really getting the height of that challenge as a player.
1: No, absolutely. And to go on a, a, a global scale, you're currently on the team USA training roster um usa 2023 world games are coming up talk about what it would mean to make that squad and also your thoughts on the new six on six obviously as a deep hole it it kind of limits you a little bit um, (laughs) yeah in terms of you know equipment wise doesn't necessarily skill wise but um talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on kind of all that
0: yeah I, i think it's exciting i think you know being a part of the uh the the group that participated in some events last year with team USA was just uh that alone was it was a great experience and uh you know thinking back to to my beginnings with the Ohio machine it's like it was it was a mind mindset shift to be like all right you know I'm not like once I, I got there and got in the games and started playing I realized like all right I'm not here to just like check the attendance and and say that I did it. Like, I want to play on this team and be successful on the field and contribute. Uh, that was kind of the same thing that occurred when I got to the the team USA. And I was a little more prepared for it from, from that experience with the, mm-hmm. the machine. So I got there and there was no adjustment period where I was like, wow, this is cool to be here. I was like, all right, you know, they invited me here. Like I'm going to play my best and, uh, do so with the intention of, of making the team. Uh, I think it, you know, talking to probably anybody that's trying to make that 2023 team, like it it throws a curveball, bumping it back a year. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and and I think everybody's kind of mindset uh, has to be altered a little bit, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but just to even be a part of this process and and get to uh, get to experience what it's like to be playing with that group of guys with that purpose was a really cool experience. And uh, just kind of changed the way I think about, that team USA and, and what the program really represents. Um, so that was awesome. I I think, you know, the, the dream of playing in the Olympics is, is, is real and it's, Mm -hmm. it's coming. Um, and and that, that part is super exciting. I think the six on six format is, um, you know, a a very controversial one. I I take it just from, you know, scrolling through Twitter, but, uh, I, I, I can't say that the, the, disruption to the the way lacrosse should be played is really worth uh, forfeiting the opportunity to go to the Olympics and, and get it on that global stage so uh, I, I haven't put too much thought behind you know what are the implications of you know playing six on six and everything but I, I got to think it's it's a positive to just get the sport in that kind of format uh, on that on that level I think it's probably not not going to play to my benefit as a, uh, as a traditionally very defensive player. Uh, I, I don't, I don't like my prospects for making that <laughs> Olympic team, but, uh, but, uh, I, I, I just think it's a, a huge development for the sport. And, and, uh, and again, sort of like the PLL ML merger, like definitely a necessary step that, that we need to take to, uh, to really have a shot at, at being a big time sport in the, in the U S and
2: abroad. We've been talking a lot about pushing the the sport forward and you do that uh, off the field too, uh, as a part of first class lacrosse uh, that's run by Deemer class. So talk about kind of coaching with first class and, you know, this probably has been obviously a crazy time, right? Coaching uh, virtually through, through the pandemic. So talk a little bit about your experience with first class and what it's been like.
0: Yeah. So the, it, it's been a really fun ride and, and it's, like, you know, similar to my experiences playing pro lacrosse, like it's, it's shaped my view of the sport and, and, and really like my passion for it. And, uh, and just like, it struck me from day one, I started up with Deemer in 2019. uh, and, And just like being around him and his just genuine appreciation for developing players and being a part of their journey. And just like the, the gratitude that he feels for being able to like help a guy uh, and that the, that the guy is willing to listen to him and, and, uh, and take his advice. Like that was really refreshing for me and, uh, and kind of inspired me to, to like take a look at that and, and start to work with guys and and really try to help them and then enjoy the fruits of that. So they go on and, uh, and, and become a, a college all American, like be proud for them and, uh, that's definitely something that, that Deemer has, has opened my eyes to, but, uh, but I've always been of the opinion that, you know, there's with the absence of like big time dollars in, in college lacrosse and pro lacrosse, there just aren't that many like experts of lacrosse in the world. There's everybody who played in college. Um, that's like a certain pool. How many of those people go on to, to get a job in another field versus actually go out and coach. So uh, the growth of youth lacrosse and, and kind of like the, the constant of college and pro, I think has led to uh, a lot of kids picking up sticks all over the country and like, you know, not that many coaches to go ahead with it. So you've got parents picking up sticks for the first time, just trying to learn the sport in order to to be able to to coach their team and and teach kids how to play the game. But uh, Deemer and I have kind of like crafted up this vision of like, what if you could just be able to teach a ton of people by using a technological platform that that offers the same instruction that you give in Baltimore or or, uh, Long Island or California where he is. Uh, and just be able to like get that out to to the masses and and for a pretty affordable rate. Uh, it, it's been fun to see like kids in in like Michigan and Iowa like really digging into the platform, doing all these drills, like peppering Deemer with questions. like that was that was what got me excited about it. So Deemer kind of showed me the like finite one on one, like how rewarding that was. And I think I'd show Deemer like, what if you could take that and, and like apply it to like mass groups across the country?
1: No, that's great. We certainly appreciate your guys' efforts to grow the game and, you know, and put sticks in the hands of uh, people that maybe haven't played lacrosse before and develop these young players. Cause they are the future, you know, if pro lacrosse is, is the future. They're the future pros. So we appreciate your guys' efforts. We're going to move on now to our five and five segment, uh, where we're going to ask you five lacrosse questions and then five off the field questions. I'll start with the five lacrosse questions. These are more fun, quick answers, hopefully. Uh, but my first one is what are some pregame superstitions or routines that you may have?
0: Pregame superstition. I, I don't know that I have many, uh, like, I definitely think, uh, I gotta like hit all the, you know, get taped up, do this, do that before the game. Otherwise I'm like a little out of whack, but, uh, I I, one in particular that's not necessarily my superstition but it definitely gets me like excited to play it's like um I've been playing with Ryan Ambler for like two and a half three years now and uh and he's just like such a funny guy in his approach to preparing for the games and uh and and in order to like he plays really hard and in order to get himself like mentally prepared to like dodge full speed and like collide with somebody like he's like I need to like get a little contact before the game and, and and just get my body ready for it and so like after we break after we do the national anthem we bring it in like right before we take the field like Ryan's like all right just like grabs a ball just like holds a the stick there and he's like just whack the crap out of my arm like five wow. times <laughs> and so he just like lets me lay lay into him and uh and hit him as hard as I can <laughs> it's like a, a nice little like uh I always just like die laughing as I do it and he's like you know super amped up so it's it's a nice little icebreaker before you get onto the field just to remember to like have fun with it and not be so serious
1: all right we got to get a camera on that uh in PLL <laughs> game <laughs> the sideline yeah. warm ups uh, number two, which of your rival teams in the league do you guys enjoy playing against the most? Um, you know, whether it's a team that you maybe lost to and you want well, kind of want to enact some revenge this year or a team that you kind of have their number?
0: Uh I it's an interesting question. I think it could go in a, a number of ways, but I I think we all really like playing the Chrome. Um mm-hmm. I, I think that team and you know, this is it's fun that we can really like draw these parallels now that like the leagues have merged, but like that team was always a pain in the ass to play against um, when they were uh, the Rattlers. Like that, that core group was obviously you know, part of a really successful Rattlers team for like a number of years, and definitely the entirety of my pro lacrosse career. So when we played them out in Ohio, they were like always—they always had our number, and they were always the team that like would you know stop the machine dead in its tracks in the playoffs and and never let us get to the championship. And all those games were always like, you know, OT barn burners uh, and and most times like just heartbreakers for us. So uh, what makes that group really special is that they, they're so tight that they, they know that they're, they're never out of the fight. And so you can, you can put up a a five goal lead on them in the second quarter and, and, and you got to keep it in the back of your mind. Like these guys believe that they can win no matter what. And so, that's that's been really fun the past two years of the PLL playing against that team because you know you could be playing really well and you just know that they're coming with with some rally at some point in the game. Like sure enough, this year was the perfect example of it. I think we went up like eight to two or something early in the game, and all the veteran guys and the archers were like, "This this rattlers team, they're they're gonna do it. They're gonna." It wasn't so much like a, a self fulfilling prophecy, but it was like you got to be ready for when they tie the game inevitably in Mm -hmm. the fourth quarter. And sure enough, they did with like a minute and a half to go. But I think the experience with the Ohio machine, a lot of those guys on the archers were like, this is standard procedure for, for uh, this Rattlers Chrome team. Mm -hmm. Uh, So nobody was freaked out that we had blown like a six goal lead. We were like, all right, let's just get the ball back and score. And we did that. And then we scored in overtime and it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So that that's a team that I think everybody in the archers has a ton of respect for that group of guys, just because of how hard they play. And, uh, and then it just translates to, to making the games a lot of fun. You like really have to play, uh, you know, the, the full clock in order to beat them, uh, which is like, you know, the most fun lacrosse to play.
1: You know, for sure. And I, I love that the PLL Uh, brought tim sudan former radlers coach to coach the chrome in um in year two and looking forward to see what they're doing as well going forward uh number three now that you know the touring model is returning we don't have the sites announced yet but what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at
0: oh that is a really good question um
1: it can be college too it doesn't have to just be pros
0: yeah i gotta think back here because it's like the first season felt like it was like five years ago now (laughs) um Red Bulls was a pretty cool arena and just, like, it was cool to be so close to family. Like I said, you know, with Penn, that was, that was, like, an important, important feeling to just, like, know who was in the stands and fun. Um, that, that stadium in Los Angeles was out of this world. That was, like, the most luxury place, that I've, uh, you know, sporting venue I've ever been to. So that one was really cool. Um, I don't know. That's tough to say, though san jose that all these mls stadiums they're just like they are like i'm excited for hopefully having fans there this year because i really do think that the the pls step their game up in terms of what they're going to be able to do filling the seats and uh and i think that these mls stadiums are like the perfect thing for us to grow into like that that game down in philly um the championship game like that was that was a pretty electric environment and and a beautiful stadium and just like uh it felt great to be on the field there so uh it, it, they all kind of blend together in the sense that uh that they're just like these awesome brand new arenas and mm-hmm. uh I'm, I'm excited to like fill the fill the places up and and see how that feels too
1: yeah, definitely. Definitely looking forward to hopefully the return of fans this summer. Um, that means me and Adam can go as well, you know, <laughs> so that's what we're, we're excited about. Um, number four, who's a teammate that you've kind of leaned on as a mentor during your career?
0: That's a, uh, that's a good question. I think, you know, like uh, as it pertains to like my lacrosse career, uh, I've drawn a lot from my relationship with Adam Gittleman. Um, he, he, like, just as, as I've started to realize my couple of years playing pro that, that so much of the game at this level is is mental on the defensive end, where it's just, like, understanding what certain players are looking to do and understanding what certain offenses are, are looking at, that the looks that they're trying to generate, um, mm-hmm. is just such a colossal advantage to have. and uh, And so, starting to play with him in 2019 with the Archers, like, I, I had heard a lot about him, but I had never really met him before. And he was just this really like great friend from the start. And, and he had always uh, had this like huge passion for studying film and just the benefits behind it. And, uh, and, and he kind of opened my eyes to like <laughs> weaponizing film and like really you know, putting so much time into it that it becomes a strength in your game. Uh, and, and that was like a huge step forward I think for me as a player in really like dedicating a good amount of time to to watching film of our opponents and uh, and trying to dissect what their game plan and strategy would be for our upcoming matchup uh, so so that was a relationship that's that's brought a lot of value to me in, in the first two years of playing in the PLL, and and he's also just been an outstanding teammate in terms of like challenging me to be better on the field and be a leader. And uh, he, he can, I'm excited for his coaching career to continue. Just knowing what he's done for me as a peer in the locker room, he's able to like do that to a locker room of 40, 50 guys is, is pretty cool. So uh, that's been a great relationship with this Archers team.
1: You know, we certainly appreciate too what he's doing with uh, Lax Film Study um you know and and that diverse library of old games and old footage it's kind of nice too to see you know a little ode to the history of lacrosse a little bit with all the the old games that he looks at um and then my final one uh for the the lacrosse questions is what is your current stick setup we know you're an epic athlete but kind of what are you rocking these days in terms of uh, stringing uh shaft head give us the works
0: yeah so the the actually the I've been trying to mess with my Epic setup a little bit. That was one of the changes I made going in the season last year. Um, but I used the first season. I used the uh, I used the Z1, which was actually I, I caught a lot of flack for it. But it's like the same head that uh, that I think honestly most of the Epic athletes use, but the the offensive guys primarily like mm-hmm. Matt Rambo, Jules Hennenberg, They're all using the Z1, which is like this super narrow, low pocket head, but. I just thought it was like super light and and great for like picking off passes picking up gps so i i used that the first season i kind of think that jared newman might have as well and some of the other guys but uh last year i was like all right i kind of want to try something you know a little bit wider see if i can grab some more knockdowns and stuff and i used their id vision which is actually i think more of like a honestly like a younger player head but uh but, but it worked great and I, I liked it I, I had it strung up usually uh, Brian Hawkman and those guys like that there's there's uh, some epic string wizards uh, in the office there that take care of it for me but uh but this year uh, my buddy Lou who coaches the, the mad dog program uh, he set me up with some some perfectly dialed ones to head out to the tournament so I could actually I could catch and throw this year, which was an improvement from last year.
1: (laughs) No, that's great. Um, yeah, we're certainly looking forward to this 2021 season as well. Um, now Adam will take away the off the field questions.
2: Yep. Uh, number one, uh, you're, you're on the field a lot, obviously, but some favorite hobbies uh, or activities you enjoy off the field.
0: Uh, that's a good question. That's especially, I feel like 2020 was like the year of like developing hobbies, (laughs) digging into that stuff. Um, i think uh i think i've gotten like really into for better or for worse i've gotten really into like the the coffee and beer game okay so like been spending the past year like checking out different breweries and coffee shops just given that that's like one of the few like things that you can routinely get away with doing and being covid safe but uh but yeah that's like my brother is a, a a bit of a uh beer enthusiast and so we'll go check out you know a, a nice brewery or something and and take in the sights and and have a few drinks but uh but that's that's probably the primary that and you know movies I think is a uh, deep passion but
2: there we go there we go well that leads into my next one uh you know with quarantine we've been uh binging a lot and reading a lot so any uh it could be movie book uh show you've been uh, getting into over over this quarantine
0: uh yeah that's a good one i just watched the other day uh once upon a time in hollywood which was wild Uh, i'm a big fan of the tarantino movies and that was like i don't know if you guys have seen it but uh it's a long one but but it was it was really good so uh that that would be my most recent probably recommendation on the on the movie
1: front i have to check that one out i still haven't seen once upon a time in hollywood what's your favorite quote quentin tarantino movie though i have to, to ask this is a bonus question
0: uh i think maybe um i like reservoir dogs a lot okay, i think yeah. it's like i think it's like one of the cleanest ones of his where it's yeah. just like uh i think it's probably the shortest too but it's like it's such a good story the characters are great and he does it all like super efficiently with like you know it doesn't require this like three and a half hour process of like mm. character development yeah. but it's like it's 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 a badass movie and and um and, and fun to watch and rewatch
1: and rewatch. so yeah
2: that that's one of his that like whenever it's on I I I, I keep it on in the background or always love yeah that one's for sure yeah, yeah. Very,
1: very underrated too you know you hear Pulp Fiction and uh and Kill Bill mentioned a lot and, and Glorious Bastards I think is a classic but uh yeah. I think yeah Reservoir Dogs sometimes gets forgotten a little bit because probably it's one of his older ones
2: but mm-hmm. definitely a great one too nice Uh, number three, uh, who's a player in another sport you really enjoy watching right now? Definitely. I don't know
0: how big of basketball fans you guys are, but, uh, Luka Doncic is like one of my favorite athletes to watch in any sport. Like he's just, his approach to the game of basketball is just so interesting and different and skill oriented. And, uh, it's just like, it feels like he is on this stage with all the best players in the world. And he still looks like he's playing with high schoolers like yeah. he, he's just like such a cut above and just so creative uh it, it's really fun to watch him uh watch him compete and like still not even like hit his ceiling
2: I think yeah he's literally only like 21 I think and it's crazy that he's been he's been a pro for like seven years he they signed him and so uh, he was in where Serbia or wherever yeah at like 15 it's wild
0: yeah. And they were like, they were talking about how, like, oh, he's, he's unproven, all this stuff. It was like, dude, the guy started playing professional basketball when he was 17 yeah. and was like the MVP of every league he had played in since yeah. then.
2: Yeah. And then, and then he hit that floater in the bubble. And then, uh, then it, it was, it was end. Yeah. Then everybody
0: it. knew who he was. <laughs> yeah. Now, now he's
2: MVP, uh, front runner after that. So, um, but yeah, good pick. Good pick. Um, that was
0: actually, uh, what, like when Joey Sankey asked me to like change numbers with him this year yeah. uh, so that he could get his collegiate number back or or whatever, uh, that was like, I was choosing between a couple and I was like, you know what, Doncic is 77, I'm going to be 77. Here we go.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I was wondering too, with the the, the number change Um, and uh, the other crazy thing back on Luca a little bit too, is I just read that he passed uh, Michael Jordan in triple doubles like <laughs> that's it, like already like yeah. it's unreal he's had 28 he's eighties. just a complete um, player yeah it's just unreal like at this stage in his career that he's already surpassed him and i know it's a different game um you know nowadays than it was when jordan played but still it's it, that's nuts <laughs>
2: even, yeah. even more wild that two teams passed on him right the he, the, he got swapped well that's even wild trade that may be one of the best trades in history for when trey young who's also a stud gets yeah gets picked because of that trade yeah that's crazy crazy uh good stuff um but let's see number four uh moving away from uh the sports side of things and, and more of the relaxation so favorite spot to vacation i know you're a jersey guy so i wasn't sure if it would be the beach
0: no i like um i've always been a big fan of the outdoors and just getting outside and like uh you know this, this past summer after the tournament was over got to go out to uh to Yosemite national park. And nice. I've kind of just been like ticking through the national parks and, and just kind of like the, the best, um, natural attractions in the U S. And that, that's always like what, what I've liked to do in terms of traveling more so than kind of like getting a cultured experience sure. or going to a beach somewhere. Um, so, so that's kind of, that that's where I like to, uh, to vacation and, and get some relaxation. I was went up to, um, Went up to Maine uh, for about two months and stayed with uh, stayed with some family up there this past summer after the tournament and that was pretty like insane. It was just like so beautiful every day and uh, it made me think like I think I should start looking at like just buying a cabin in Maine, <laughs> just living <laughs> up there. Uh, but uh, but that's definitely kind of what I what I try to do with my free time
2: trips and stuff. Good stuff. Uh, And the last off the field question, uh, favorite meal, do you prefer to dine out, take out or cook at home?
0: That is an interesting one (laughs) because I, I think I have like a a regular rotation of like five different favorites. But but, uh, I don't know. I've gotten really into, um, gotten really into like ramen and sushi. I think uh, I, that was like growing up in New Jersey and, like my mom is big time italian cook and we ate at home every night like i didn't really have sushi until i was probably like 23 24 years old and then we got to go over to uh tokyo last year with the pll and uh like actually you know that was like basically all we we're eating for like uh, like a week and a half or whatever uh and i was like oh my god this is I can't believe I've been missing this my whole life. So that's been like, uh, that's been heavily into the rotation this past year. And I think anytime it's like, all right, let's order out. It's like, okay, sushi
1: or ramen. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, that wraps up our five and five. Uh, We'd like to end on one final question, more for our young listeners. Uh, What is some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think the answer might sound a little cliche, but just like to just, you like never really think that what you're where you're at is is good enough and that you've that that you think you know everything or uh that there's nothing left to learn like I'm you know 28 years old and I've been playing for over a decade and I'm still like you know I show up to practice with the intention of like learning something and getting better uh and I think that there there can be a mindset that that creeps into young players' heads when they they might commit to a good school or uh, get named like All Conference that like you know they're they made it like they're you know they're hot stuff now but uh, that that mindset's only going to limit you and and what you can accomplish so it's good to be proud of your achievements and accomplishments but uh, kind of just always having the mindset that there's a better version of you out there and you got to focus on doing the things that that gets you there. Uh, has has been something that's really helped me throughout my career and I think something that I try to tell like any young player that I that I get to coach
1: no that's great advice for young lacrosse players and just for life in general I think as well uh, Matt this has been great where can people find you on social media
0: uh I think uh, that's I don't know I don't keep the you know, <laughs> uh my Instagram is Matt McMahon spelled pretty phonetically and uh, my Twitter handle is, I think, Matt McMahon 11, but
1: yeah. We well, thank you, Matt, for joining us. We really appreciate the time and, uh, best of luck training for this upcoming 2021 PLL season.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it guys. Appreciate you having me on. It was good to, uh, to chat with you and really excited to see what you guys do with lacrosse playground.